Today on Locked On Canadians, what is our confidence level with this front office, plus some signings and some housekeeping? All that's coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 879. And as always, we thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. As you know, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. So like, subscribe, tell your friends uh, so that they can discover us too. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and today I'm doing a solo show, uh, not with my co-host Scott Matla, but... Uh, I'm sure he would have really liked to have been doing this episode because Raphael Harvey Pinard has re-signed with the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some rocket signi- signings. And we also are going to talk a little bit about um, where our confidence level is at with this front office this far, like a week or so after the draft. So uh, I also want to remind everybody where to find us. You can find us on Twitter, LO underscore Canadians. You can find us on YouTube, Locked On Canadians, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. And you can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We've got a lot of thoughts from all of you guys uh, that we are going to be talking about in the coming days. But we also have some prospect people that we want to talk to about the draft that was um, and the moves the Canadians have made. And, you know, after development camp, maybe see if there was anything that jumped out at any of the scouts and people who professionally watch prospects for a living. In the meantime, I did want to bring up a bunch of sightings. Most notably, of course, was Raphael harvey Pinard, uh, Two-year, 1.1 per. I think that is an extremely economical contract for the Canadians while being an extremely good, uh, an extremely deserved contract for him. He's obviously only played 38 um, NHL games. He's got 15 goals and six assists, I believe, uh, 21 points in that time. But the way that he's played has shown a lot of versatility a lot of intensity, a lot of scrappiness. He seems very much like the kind of player that Martin St. Louis adores, uh, really out to prove himself. Um, And, you know, we saw with all the injuries, like he was bounced up and down the lineup and he excelled at every moment, right? Obviously, in your ideal world, Rafael Harvey Pinard is a mid to bottom six player. But, you know, when he was playing alongside on the top line, he was making the most of that opportunity. He didn't seem out of place. Um, he's scoring at a fantastic rate for the number of games that he's played. And while we don't know if that's sustainable or not, this contract is perfect for the Canadians to kind of see what they have and for him to really show what he can do he's still 24 years old so there's still a bit of time like obviously he's waited and worked really hard to get into the NHL to to make his way into the lineup and if you've been a long-time listener of the show you will remember that every time we did any kind of rocket update anytime we, we talked about the rocket 
he would always get shouted out as one of the most valuable players at the AHL level. Like he has earned this opportunity and more and the Canadians have rewarded him. But at the same time, it's $1.1 million. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to break, um, you know, your cap math or anything like that, especially as we know the cap is going up next year. So it's a two year deal. So you can kind of, you know, usually it's younger players with higher upside that get those bridge type deals, but I'm still going to call this a bridge deal because there's a couple of things with, with Raphael Harvey Pinard. He's obviously a little bit more physical than some of the skill forwards. Um, and as we saw with Brendan Gallagher, and he does get compared to Brendan Gallagher a lot. I do think he is his own player uh, for starters. He does seem like a better decision maker um, in general. Uh, while Brendan Gallagher is like fight, 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 fight for every inch of the ice. He, he, but they both are extremely intense. Either way, a player that plays like that, um, generally above their size, generally a bit more physical, generally very scrappy, uh, tend to not have that much shelf life or longevity. So he can prove that he's durable. He can prove um, whether or not he's worth a second contract. And the Canadians, it's, it's, a, it's low risk for both like he's earned an NHL deal. He's earned a contract. He's earned an opportunity. What he does with that opportunity is up to him. And everything that we've seen from Raphael Harvey Pinard so far, obviously, you know, you can have full confidence in this player. Like I just, I'm really happy for him. And it's really exciting for us as fans too, because he's so fun to watch. He's just an incredible player. And like, you know, we, we love to see it essentially. So that was the biggest news. But then the Rocket had a couple of signings as well that I wanted to talk about. Uh, obviously, uh, they're bringing back Toby Pocket Bisson, which is very, very uh, welcomed by Rocket fans and anybody who, who has been observing them and who's been playing, uh, who's been watching, you know, since 2020. Uh, so he's back, uh, obviously. Uh, I, I believe he went to the rain for a while <laughs> and now he's back. Uh, and everybody's really happy to see it. The, the reaction to the signing has been fantastic. They also signed a goaltender I don't know all that much about. But as we promised you, we are going to have a goaltending um, expert. And we can ask about Strauss Mann, uh, who was with the Barracuda. We can also ask our good friend J.D. Young of Locked on Sharks. Um, and the like, there's also Yakov Novak. But the biggest name, well, quote-unquote biggest name, for the Laval Rocket is they signed Jared Davidson. Now, a number of you have asked us over the course of last season, can you tell us about Jared Davidson? Can you tell us about Jared Davidson? And he was playing in Seattle. So, um, you know, he he definitely has uh, a pretty good point total, uh, 38 goals, 44 assists in 60 games. Um, and so he was catching the attention of a lot of Canadians fans, given that, you know, obviously the, the Habs drafted him in 2022. Uh, and he was, I believe, at uh, 130. Uh, like, I, I believe it was 130 overall. Anyway, it is, he was a late round pick. Um, and we got asked about him a lot. So now he is likely to, well, he's going to be in Laval. That's a one-year, one-way AHL contract. Um, and 
we're going to be able to see much closer what he does bring to the table. If I remember correctly, a lot of the flaws in his game had to do with a little bit of the skating wasn't all that impressive. Uh, so we're going to keep an eye on him in Laval and we're going to be able to talk about him all season. But I'm really excited about this because he's one of the players that our listeners asked us a lot about over the course of the season. So it looks like the Laval Rocket have been doing their housekeeping and kind of building their lineup. The one really interesting thing is that Caden Primo at this point uh, he can't be sent down without clearing waivers so if he's in the NHL after training camp which we do expect to happen we are expecting that well we're expecting that Jake Allen will be traded but Kent Hughes can you know come out of left field and trade either Primo or Samuel Montembeau. I don't think it's likely to be Samuel Montembeau, but either way. Um, so there's an opportunity for goaltenders in the AHL, and there's also an opportunity for Caden Primo, because again, he will not be able to be sent down without clearing waivers. But here's, I think the other thing about that is that if he doesn't show some sort of progress at the NHL level, he seems to be phenomenal at the AHL level. If he doesn't show some sort of progress at the NHL level, because every time he's been called up, it's not gone great. Um, it doesn't matter if he doesn't clear waivers. The Canadians will have invested a lot of time in him and a lot of money. Um, and if somebody else snaps him up, I don't think that it's going to be a big loss for the Canadians. For whatever reason, he either can't do it in the NHL or he can't do it in the NHL behind the Canadians, backstopping the Canadians. Either way, um, that's a whole other story. We're obviously going to keep an eye on Laval. Uh, and what I really, really want to turn our focus on right now is the confidence in the front office. And that we're going to talk about in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to the first home run all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. The FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball and us. All right. So one of the things that we talked about after the draft last week, and people were obviously had a lot of opinions about the way the draft went, not only with the way that the Canadians uh, went with their fifth overall pick, but also uh, in later rounds there, you know, they traded away pick number 31, 37. And then after that, you know, they, they, they seemed to load up on goalies. And then, you know, the whole thing with the Jack eye pick up when he would have been available in the later round, all of that. People had a lot of questions about those decisions. And so we wanted to know how confident all of you felt and what it would take to regain our confidence in the front office. And in that moment, when Scott asked me on the last podcast, it was right after round one. And I said, you know, I wanted to see some creativity and some shooting for the moon on day two of the draft. And I didn't see that. I thought Jacob Fowler was a fantastic decision and then beyond that I didn't love it um so obviously what I had said at the time was I wanted to see some creativity uh, I still think that that's what I want to see and I feel a little bit better the Canadians having traded Edmondson away obviously there's 
your mileage may vary when it comes to like cap retention and things like that. I think having having traded a weight player that we all expected to be traded for draft picks, it's a third rounder and a seventh rounder in 2024. I think that kind of shows a couple of things is one, the Canadians are willing to retain salary in order to gain assets. Um, that was pretty smart. Um, the other thing too, is that, you know, Joel Edmondson's health is a huge question mark. We don't know how consistent he's going to be. So again, like I'm not sure why Washington was the, the team that really wanted him. It did feel like, you know, he seems very much like a player that had been linked to Edmund, um, Edmonton, uh, you know, Calgary at points, like it did seem like it would have made a lot more sense for him to go out West, but either way, you know, take the draft picks and run. I think it also shows that um, Kent Hughes is showing that he does value draft picks. The way that we felt after the draft was that he didn't seem to really allocate the draft picks to what a rebuild needs, which is the best player available. And then you let them fight it out and earn their chances. Right. So it does show a little bit more. It does give me a little bit more confidence is that he does understand the value of stockpiling as many picks as he can at this stage in the rebuild. Um, It does show that he's willing to retain salary to get rid of some players in order to, to create opportunities for other players um, to, to, you know, to, to earn their spot on the NHL lineup to see like, you know, maybe he wants some players to play with, uh, Caden Gooley. Maybe he wants, you know, maybe he wants Owen Beck to try and crack the lineup. I don't know, but it looks like, you know, they're willing to ship out some players uh, in order to start giving their younger players a big opportunity. So that was one thing that really, it doesn't restore my confidence entirely, but it does make me feel a lot better. Um, another thing that I think, um, really does help a lot is that they seem to still be extremely focused on development. Um, I, I did have a little bit of question mark about question marks about going back and, 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 you know, signing, signing Leah Anderson, uh, somebody that Gorton had picked. Like it feels like one of those things where Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton are just going for guys they know with the new hook trade and everything like that. That's one way to look at it. But for me, um, I think it's a little bit more like they're very much willing to buy low. And so, you know, that's another thing that kind of gave me a little bit, obviously, minimum contract, um, buying low on a player that really needs to figure it out, right? It's not It's not like this isn't a, a guaranteed fit or whatever. So that definitely does help uh, restore my confidence. But we also asked all of you, you know, how do we, how, how will the Montreal Canadiens regain your confidence? And this was what we tweeted. We said, we asked this on the podcast, but we want to get feelings now that the draft is over. What does the team need to do now in the summer to get you back on board with their plan? Uh, one, saying nothing to do other than trade four mid-muckers and a future first for a top score and 90-point guy, which won't happen. We're stuck playing Bergie hockey for another five years with no carry price to bail out the lack of a star forward. Now, I will point out that this was a few days ago, um, so it does seem like very much, uh, you know, kind of in the moment. But I don't think that the Canadians are going for Bergevin hockey. That draft was a very Bergevin draft. Like, let's admit that. Uh, but I do feel that I do feel that there's a little bit of progress. I'm contextualizing this with the last draft. So 2022 gave me a lot of confidence that this isn't Bergevin hockey anymore. 
Uh, they're losing Carey Price, so they do have to think fast. But 2023, like the draft itself wasn't all that great, but it does feel like they're willing to make some moves anyway, and they're willing to see what they've got. In fact, Ken Hughes's words have been like, we want to see what we've got. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad plan. Just, you know, play as many of the young, like the young guys, play as many as, uh, of the prospects and the rookies as possible and see, you know, where organizationally, where you're lacking in depth. I don't think that's necessarily a bad decision to make. I just feel like it's a little bit early is all. Um, so then we've got another uh, Hockey Ninja says they have improved depth at goal. They've improved the defensive core and the right-handed defenseman depth. Um, added an older player to help accelerate the rebuild. Good steps, more moves. Add another young NHL with top six potential. Um, expand player development and increase diversity in the organization. Oh, okay. So the, the good moves were added. Older player to help accelerate rebuild, improve defensive core and RD depth. Uh, they've improved depth at goal. So then this is the moves that Hockey Ninja would like to see. Add another young NHL with top six potential. Expand the player development department. Yes, I think that's true. I think they started really well, but I think they need to go harder 100%. Increase the diversity in the organization. Absolutely. Um, and then another uh, answer was, I'm on board, but I wish they would move, manage to move Hoffman and or Armia before next season, but that's been the case for months. Time will tell for the prospects. I'm more concerned at the moment with players on the current roster being expensive deadweight. So this was before the Edmondson trade. And admittedly, Edmondson wasn't that expensive in context, but obviously a couple of people said, uh, I never left the ship. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin Wall says, keep clearing cap room. If they have space, there are going to be talented forwards that they can acquire. So yeah, cap management is a really big one. Um, somebody said, not sure this management has a plan. They obviously knew they needed a good young goalie, but had no pick in the second round to get the best one because 30, number 37 would have been perfect for that. So we're going to talk about Fowler a little bit later this week. Uh, I hope we're, we're aiming for later this week. It might be next week with a goalie expert to talk about the Canadians draft and, you know, Caden Primo, the defensive, uh, the the goaltending depth in this um, in this organization and all of that. So, like, let's talk about you know, uh, let's let's wait and see on the goaltending because goalie development curves are a little bit unpredictable and they take a little bit longer. But a lot of times, like the guy you expect to be amazing isn't, and somebody else comes out of the woodwork and really does show what he's got. Uh, somebody said that they would like to see Dvorak and one of Hoffman and Armia to find new homes. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, calling it roster churn, I believe that, yeah, they, they do need to continue with the roster churn. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, trade Dvorak, Edmondson, buy out Armia, all of this stuff. Um, keep Reinbacher in Europe and play Slav in, um, in Laval. Um, I... I don't disagree with that. I don't know if they're necessarily going to trade, like send Slavkovsky to Laval. I really don't. Um, just seem like something they're willing to do, but we'll see. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's a, a, a ton of people that are, um, that are on board with the Reinbacker choice. Uh, and then a lot of people just want, a lot of people just want to see these veterans that are costing a lot towards the cap and not really bringing anything to the team moved. So, you know, that was just kind of my roundup of what people said in response to that question. I think it's still something that we are going to continue to talk about over time. And I think the summer is going to be a very telling one. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to, it's really interesting to see where we're at uh, the day that 
training camp begins in September, where how we feel. But before we end the show, I do really want to turn around and talk a little bit about the, um, the development camp and what's going on there. Or the tidbits, I should say, from today, which is the day that I'm recording this, which is Monday. And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. All right. At the time that I'm recording this, it is Monday night. And so it was day three of Habs Development Camp. Um, It is Tuesday is the day of the scrimmage, I believe. Uh, So the focus on day three was um, a little bit more on some of the players that we haven't talked all that much about. You know, Reinbacher, Lane Hudson, they were really the talk of, you know, day two. They were really what everybody was focusing on. Uh, those moves that they pulled, the chemistry that they're finding, what they had to say about each other. Um, I think Jaden Struble is, is is really somebody that um, we should pay atten- a, bit, a bit of attention to because he obviously was with Laval for a few games. Uh, got to know the Canadian staff and all of that. Um, but I think this year is really a year where he's going to be able to show if he has NHL potential or not. Obviously, the Canadians are pretty high on him. Actually, Scott and I love Jaden Struble, and we secretly kind of are really rooting for him. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes this year for him. Another person that I think um, this year is kind of not make or break necessarily like make the team or not, but has to show whether or not he has potential. Uh, he has NHL potential is Josh Marois. Uh Obviously somebody who came out of not really nowhere, but he's definitely somebody who made a splash um, in the QMJHL for the last couple of years, obviously with the world juniors, all of that, we're seeing what he can do, but really the question is, can he translate that game to the NHL level? So he's definitely somebody that um, I think this year is a big year. It's a it's a make or break year for him. And somebody else that I'm very much focused on after this development uh, camp is Philip Mayshar, because he toiled in the OHL on a not great team. Obviously, probably wasn't in his plan. The Canadians wanted him in North America. Um, and I think that, I don't know if it was an official promise or not, but the expectation is that he'll play with the Rocket this season. Um, And I'm really excited to see that. I think for me, he's one of the players that I still don't know what his potential is after a year uh, in the Canadian system. And it's simply because he was on a bad team. And I think putting him in the AHL will enable us to kind of see really where he's at. Uh, the challenge, but also with line mates that are a lot more advanced, I'm going to say a lot more advanced. Um, I think that's going to really give us an opportunity to see where he's at, uh, what his true potential is, because let's face it, and I will 100% admit to this, like before the Canadians picked him at 26 last year, I wasn't, I, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what his deal was. So He's somebody who you heard his name alongside Slavkovsky's, but you didn't hear his name independently. So I'm very excited to see him play this year. I hope that it does prove true that the Canadians did promise him that he would be in Laval. He's the expectation is in Laval. They don't send him like I, I honestly thought he was going to be in Laval last year. The way that they were talking, they wanted him in North America. I really thought that he was going to be in Laval. Uh, so this time, I think it's really, really going to give him a chance to prove what he's got. Uh, and I 
for one, I'm like incredibly excited to see how that goes. In the meantime, I've rambled on for long enough. My co-host will be back tomorrow. We will be um, co-hosting together once again. And we've got a lot of mailbag questions we still haven't gone to. We've got a lot of draft reaction we still haven't gone to. And the Canadians are doing some housekeeping. So I'm sure there's going to be news over the coming days. Uh, hopefully a lot more of those trades. A lot of people want an Armia buyout. I still am not convinced it makes 100% sense to, to buy out Armia. But we will see. Um, and that's all coming up later this week don't forget we still have to do a draft debrief with prospect experts uh, and we also have goalie experts that we're going to talk to and tons of fun guests we are a year-round podcast so even though in a couple of weeks we're going to go down to three episodes a week we're still going to be year-round we're still your team every day here on Locked On Canadians. And you can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also find, uh, leave us mailbag questions in the YouTube comments. Just write mailbag at the beginning of your questions so we'll know you want us to ask it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. You'll find my co-host Scott Matla uh, at Scott Matla on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. And we will both be back tomorrow. <laughs>